It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime! Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. We're the effective characters. Three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. Games here. <laughs> the opinions are around. We don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today, we'll be sharing our experience with pressure. In this episode 53 of the Defective Characters Podcast, let's go. Oh, that was a good yawn. Sorry, you heard that? (laughs) Yeah. Sounded like like you still had sleepies in your eyes. Who was that? Uh, Was that the monkeys? I, I was just relieving some pressure. Oh, sweet. I cleaned up kittens every morning. Do you really? Do you make them eat them? Gross. No, no, no. Do you eat them? No, no, no. I wipe them away. I used to know someone that would actually put them in their cinnamon toast crunch. Oh, gross. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's actually not true. I just came up with it. This episode is already off the rails. I'll be honest. That's something I've never... do you think eye boogers taste the same as regular boogers? They're salty. Yeah, I would imagine that no, but I don't fucking... <laughs> I'm not that curious about it. It's just the things uh, that come up with a topic like pressure, you know? It, it does kind of make sure it makes sense how James just said it's probably saltier. Because, you know, like your eyes when you Tears. cry. It's yeah. More salient. Like That's true. <laughs> That's why usually when I'm eating like pretzels from like Auntie Anne's pretzels, I'll say no salt when I'm sad because then I just lick, lick the corners of my mouth when the tears come down. And that way I'm not like screwing up my sodium intake. I was just walking in Epcot last week and and when I was walking through Germany, they had giant pretzels and they just looked amazing. Ja? 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 Wunderbar. So wait, if you were if you were to like cry into your food and eat it, would it really mess up your sodium intake because it's coming out of your body and going right back into your body? So wouldn't it balance it out? It would recycle. Uh, There's a lot. Sometimes there's a lot of crying. Yeah, I mean, when you're under a lot of pressure, yeah, sometimes all you have to do is cry, and then like, you know, we're talking about days. What? Cinnamon Toast Tears. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, what, what else we get going on? I know uh, like last week and maybe the week before uh, we touched on gratitude. Did you guys have any uh, moments of gratitude this week that you wanted to share before we jump into the topic? Anything? Bueller? How was, uh, how was Disney Springs with um, Louie and his family? It was good. Was it as good as hanging out with you at Disney Springs? I don't know. <laughs> no, if if he's listening, I don't know if Louie listened to this. No, it was uh, it was great. I will say it's good to get out, and I'm glad that uh, that James is now out uh, allowed 
out to some respect within the Disney area because they are like over the top with how clean uh, that they, they keep the place. Do you feel like more of a um, like a normal lifestyle is going on? Be able to get to those places, James? Yeah, it's nice to be able to get out. And, um, you know, I've, I've started working again, too, but I still have to keep my guard up because, you know, all it takes is taking your guard down for one hour and then you're toast. That's true. That's why me and James went to, always up. Me and, me and James went to multiple movies last week at Disney. Okay, what'd you see? We saw Personal History of David Copperfield, which I loved. And we saw Tenet. What do you think of Tenet, James? Ha! <laughs> I, I thought I would catch up. And, uh, <laughs> but it got towards the end of the movie, and I was like, okay, I, I'm done. I'm just... Yeah, and, just... and those those movies are out right now. So um, you can go see them. My my gripe with Tenet, uh, so the same guy that did what the the Dark Knight um, movies also did he do Inception? Christopher he Nolan, did it. yeah, Inception, Insomnia, uh, Memento, The Fall. No, he didn't do Memento. That was Guy yeah. Pierce. No, that was yeah. Christopher yeah. Nolan. Are you sure? Yeah, the actor was Guy. Pierce. Well, yeah, but the writer director was Christopher Nolan. Ah. Oh. Okay. Well, good to know. It seemed like Inception 2.0 to me. How it had some of the same, like, going back in time, twisting reality. And without giving anything away, my gripe was that you couldn't actually hear a lot of the dialogue because there was music and sound going throughout it. Um, It's one of those movies that I think having subtitles on watching at home, you'll actually get more from. Really, I didn't have that experience. I could hear it clear. There was a little muffled audio. I, I thought I was just like, "What?" It was, I, yeah. What did they say? I had no idea what they just said. It just pissed me off. Well, and it's tough because it's it's not it's um not like a basic storyline. It's so in depth that if you miss some of the dialogue that explains, uh, yeah, the story. Like, like if that was an issue, if you could hear it, then that's all fine and great. You, that still might be difficult. But if you can't yeah. actually hear the dialogue, good luck. You yeah. know, even the story it, of Winnie the Pooh, if you can't understand the dialogue, it's going to be tough. Yeah. So, but it's all, it's one of those movies too where you actually, like you said, you have to like watch it. You have to pay attention and like, like for me, like my biggest issue was like I went and saw it with James. So, like, halfway through, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like, I'm not sold on it yet you know, for, like, the first half of the movie. But then mm. it's the second half of the movie which made it for me. And, like, all the stuff from the first half came back and was pertinent to know for the second half in the way they did it. Yeah. But, and is it fair I, to say if this was a normal year, this would have been – the like big summer blockbuster that everybody was yeah. talking about. Well, I think it was still like, it was one of those movies that was like really anticipated because it's Christopher Nolan and he like, like it was supposed to come out, but then the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. So it was delayed a lot and now it's finally coming out. So I think it was highly anticipated, but I, you know, I don't know. They spent like hundreds of millions of dollars to make it. And 
I almost feel like it doesn't hold up to that price tag personally. Mm. And I'm getting a lot of feedback like you and James and other people that have seen it that are like totally not like into it. But you say that Christopher Nolan was under a lot of pressure to perform for this video. <laughs> Maybe. You know. It seems like it, and that's a, that's a good transition into the topic. Yeah, and you think, because I did see it took 10, 10 years. He wrote it like 10 years ago, and it was anticipated for 10 years as far as um, in his circle and in the movie industry, even back when he was doing Dark Knight 10 years ago. And wow. Inception that came out 10 years ago. Um, and I'm not a movie guru, so I do want to plug IMDb and Wikipedia for uh, mm-hmm. helping tell me uh, that info. But I think it's I think it's fascinating that in life, like J- James was just kind of jumping into the uh, the topic, there are things that are in smaller scope for me that if I don't use some of the tools of the program would be probably more pressure than he he was even uh, under as far as millions of dollars and having to get a return on investment to all of that. But I would think the tiniest things before AA, I, I felt like squeezed under pressure where every single day I would do my best to get projects done or things done the day before and it would just build up. And I felt, I don't know about you guys, I felt um, anxiety um, and just stressed out to the max before I came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous six years ago. Um, And I felt like there was no hope, you know? And that's why I think a a lot of people um, just say, screw it. I'm just going to drink. And then it's a never-ending cycle of it. And even though you might not want to, there was no other way for me to get rid of some of that stress in my mind, you know, and that's why I did, you know, and uh, I'm grateful. I don't have to feel that today before you guys came in the rooms. Can you kind of talk about that? Like the, the pressures that you were under and the feeling that you had. Sure. (laughs) Go for Mm -hmm. it, Dennis. Okay. Um, I don't know, like, to me, like, the pressures were were different than they are now in a way. I think, like, the biggest pressure that I had was probably, like, the, the, the societal pressure, you know? Like, the, like, oh, at this age, you should achieve this, or you should be doing this, or you should, the should, the should. And when I didn't live up to that or whatever, it was stressful, you know? And... And, you know, what do you, like you kind of said is like to my release, I guess, would have been like getting high or drinking or whatever, because then I could like not care about anything and not worry about anything. And then whenever I stopped doing that stuff, all of that kind of stuff got worse and then new stuff came in and stuff. But I think like now dealing with that is, is, you know, like, as far as like the societal pressure goes, it's like, there is no, I should be, you know, there's nothing really that says that like, I should be this type of person or I should be doing this. It's, it's really, 
this life is open and free and there's so many things that we could be or should be. And it's almost like one thing that I've been here or seeing a lot recently is like, trust the timing of your life, you know? And I think a lot of that comes with like surrendering to it. You know, it's like, if I tell myself, you know, I'm where I'm supposed to be at this moment, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be at this moment. It might not look like what other people have done, but this is my journey. And I got to trust it a little bit. And I got to trust that the timing of things doesn't have to necessarily match up to this arbitrary timeline that I created in my head or that society has put on me, you know, and that you can free yourself from that. And I'll stop just so I don't ramble anymore. Thank you, Dennis. So what was it like? (laughs) What was it like before James? (laughs) for you like what what pressures did you feel well i know you know as a child i didn't really feel too much pressure it was uh, pretty carefree easygoing Uh, towards um getting to high school basically around my freshman high school you know I, i felt the pressure peer pressure a lot you know um, and then I had a cousin who introduced me to marijuana and then, you know, people that I became friends with, it seems like I was attracted to the wrong kind of people and I felt pressure to drink and after a while, that's all I knew. So, um, that's how, you know, I got started. Um, and then I remember as a senior, the pressure of picking a college and getting all this paperwork done and, you know, like society tells, well, at least in my opinion, tells, told me that, you know, I needed to go to college, get a good job and make lots of money so I can be happy, get a house, have a family, you know, all this stuff, you know, I felt this pressure. And, um, but along the way, you know, I, I, I found alcohol, so it relieved a lot of the pressure. And at some point in my college years, it, it became um, it became too good. And then I started concentrating on alcohol a lot more than any of those other things I felt pressured to do. So in my mind, I was I was a failure because I was drinking so much. And then, you know, I wasn't getting the jobs I wanted. I was getting mediocre jobs. Um, you know, I had a, a family, but I... I was always spending money on drugs and alcohol and I was just failing so much. I just felt like a failure. So then when my family broke up, I, I had all this debt and all this child support I had to pay and I, I couldn't pay it and just pressure and pressure mounting, mounting. So I ended up drinking more and doing more. And, um, you guys know my story. I think, thankfully, you know, God came and, intervened and um i was able to clean everything out um and start new since i've been clean and sober man i I don't i don't think like that anymore like i don't i don't i I think about money more than i'd like um but I, i pray every day to help me um to get out of that that finance worrisomeness and um you know the pressures today are are really minuscule compared at least they feel minuscule in my mind you know Uh, i have 
pressure um, for my wife uh, more than anyone to just do the next right thing. And she calls me on my BS all the time. And um, and sometimes it hurts my ego, but, um, you know, it, it's good for me to have someone that can really, to know that I have a program, she has a program. Even though she stays in her hula hoop, she can still call me out on my bullshit when I, when I act out. Um, I don't have a lot of pressure from work. I bartend. I go to work. I make people happy. I'm the, I'm the life of the party at my bar, and then I go home, and I don't think about it. Um, do I make a lot of money? No, but I don't – I'm not – I'm I'm working towards paying off all my debt that I've created these past 20 years. And so I don't worry about the debt anymore. I don't know. I can go on and on, but. So, so, did, so a, does the pressure go away or do you just know how to deal with it? Um, I think I get these little intuitive thoughts. Um, if something is that needs to be done and, um, Instead of like dreading it, I do have the tools to to like know what needs to be done. So it do, so it doesn't go away. It's just you you, you kind of learn how to yeah. to deal with it and what's real. Right, yeah. right. You know, you don't sweep it under the rug. You have to look at it and um, change your mental models and really take care of stuff. Um, you know, but a lot of times you still sit on it until the pain's great enough because <laughs> mm. change is not always the, the best thing, you know, and sometimes it's just lazy. You don't want to do it. Yeah. And, and this is something that came up is like Dennis mentioned, mentioned pressure and whether it was, um, something that, cause we just toss out sometimes slogans or different, uh, things going on. And he said pressure. I think we were talking about something else and, um, or like, yeah, well, why don't we do that as I, as a topic? Because the thing is, uh, and it's said in a lot of rooms of life doesn't become uh, great when you have uh, AA. It teaches you how to perceive things as great that are, that just are. You know, that just are, are, uh, are normal. Like a regular day turns into a great day or a day that has challenges turns into a day that you can learn from, you know, for me. And I have to remember that the pressure is something that might still exist, but usually, and I think I just came to the realization when you were sharing, James, is that pressure is not usually in today. That pressure is something that's happening in the future. Um, might not actually happen at all like that. I might just be projecting that it's going to be like that. Uh, or if there's a project, say I have a project coming up. Um, I know for me, something that I think I knew before, cause I, I never liked if I could do it today, I didn't want to put it off because it's going to eat me alive. You know, uh, you know, James, uh, and I sponsor Brian says you know is it what is it is it eating your lunch you know don't let it eat your lunch you know and i know that it will i know that i like i i started um 
not that I found that I had more time on my hands, but the last couple weeks, my time had been moved around to different places. And I just moved a week and a half ago. Dennis James and some great friends in the fellowship helped me move. And last week, an opportunity after I just moved everything in the weekend on that Monday, an opportunity came of something. Somebody said, hey, I know you had to do, do some basic video stuff. Why don't you go you know, contact my mechanic? He's looking to do something on, on Facebook. And I'd never done it before, and it could be seen as daunting. And I will be honest that I, if I waited on it like a week or even a couple days, I probably wouldn't have done it because I'd be like, no, I'm not the job, uh, you know, belittled myself, trashed myself because it's stuff that I'm dealing with. And instead, I just said, I'm going to try it out. And I reached out to him and it was a project that I was able to actually get done and accomplish in three days. And even Dennis was able to help me because he had a couple hours off and uh it was a pretty simple project, but I would have built it up in my head to be something that was like Mount Everest that I would never be able to do. And sometimes, just like projecting is not real, sometimes pressure is not actually real. The pressure that I'm feeling uh, has to do with fear and, and working through it. So I know for me, as far as the step, think about a step, guys, that helps you. I know for me, as far as a lot of pressures and a lot of fear and dealing with that, I know that step four, and I'm, do, I'm redoing a step four right now based on some relationships in my life, especially one in particular, but some others as well. And it's helping me deal with some fear and, uh, and noticing that, you know, there's a lot in me that has changed and can continue to change to help me deal with some pressures um, and things that I'm scared of that don't really even exist, but in my head they do. Is there a step that helps you guys deal with pressure? I would say um, six and seven, you know, my character defects, a lot of, you know, in my past I've been fearful. Um, I, I, you know, all these things that tell me I'm, I'm less than kind of what you were hitting on. Um, when you do six and seven, you're, um, you're asking God to remove these and it's, it's, it's a slow process. He's, you know, that'd be wonderful if you just removed them all the way, but you know, you've been a certain way. I've been a certain way my whole life. So I have to continue six and seven and, um, not only, you know, ask God to remove my insecurity and my fearfulness, but ask him to replace it with, um, with courage and, and security. And, you know, have these def these defective characters removed and and have the traits that that I want to be restored to you know the the person God intended me to be which is uh, uh divine divinely inspired I should say I'm I'm not divine but um I think it depends <laughs> on who you ask right <laughs> Dennis and I were talking how divine you were the other day yeah, when I see you eat soup, I just sit there and stare, and it's just like, oh, look how divine he looks. Yeah, well, or when you eat grapes from the vine. <laughs> uh, when you're holding it over my head. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. No, Everybody's cool. now picturing that, even if they don't know what you look like. 
They're picturing someone. <laughs> if there's a doppelganger for James, I would say it's not an exact, but I would say Colin Farrell. You know? What? And and Dennis, I would say Jason Statham is probably the most accurate. That's the only thing we have in common is that we're short. No, it's also some it's scruff that you have and yeah, and your hairstyle. <laughs> right? I I think it's I think it's uncanny. It's definitely not the good looks or the muscle. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I just gave you a compliment and you found you found insult in it. That dude that dude's got the ladies just wrapped around his finger. I don't I don't want to deceive our, our lovely audience. No, that's fine. Um, Mike, you were touching on, you know, stuff that um you know when people ask you to do stuff like like I say I'm an artist and, and you are, are good with people so they ask you to do a commercial for them and even though you haven't done it you stepped through the fear and you did it and now you're uh you've got a little more knowledge now if someone asks you again you'll be like oh yeah i know exactly what to do i've been doing that for the past three years um and it started with dennis i told him you know yeah i like graphic design and working on computers He's like, okay i need you to do this this, this. <laughs> i was like okay yep. um you know, I haven't done it in let's what fifteen years, but sure. And in the past three years, it's just been um, remarkable the things I've learned because each new project, it's always friends. You know, I'm not putting myself out there advertising or something because, you know, honestly, I don't think I'm good enough. But uh, maybe that fear will go away sometime. And um, um, it's I haven't really wanted or needed to monetize my talent i'm still trying to get to that place where i'm comfortably doing comfortable doing it all the time like at this point it seems more like a chore and i'd rather um just go about not doing anything i haven't got to the point where like oh i want to do art all the time i don't know if that makes sense kind of like you dennis like do you feel like you want to write all the time you're a great writer but like most of the time you just don't feel like writing am i correct no, yeah, I have, I have, me personally, I have a love-hate relationship with writing because, I mean, I have really bad ADD. So, like, writing isn't necessarily enjoyable, you know? Like, yeah. there's a part of it at the beginning that's enjoyable when you're thinking up the ideas and you're just, you're brainstorming and you're going crazy. And then, then there's a really great feeling at the end when, you, when you're done writing. But everything else in between is just work, you know? Yeah. And, exactly and, and, and confusing part. thinking, yeah. How do we get past that? What do we what do we have to do? Well, I think you just do it. You know, you do it because <laughs> you do it for that that enjoyment at the end. Because like like right now I'm working on a project, right? And you know, both of y'all are a part of this project. And you know, I mean this is a great opportunity to talk about pressure as well, is that like I'm under a lot of pressure in the sense that like I'm the producer, I'm the director, I'm the writer, blah, blah, blah. So I have to like make this thing happen. Right. And if I don't make this thing happen, then, then it doesn't happen. So before, like, especially before I ever came into the rooms, I like would overthink everything and like 
oh, if something goes wrong, it's like, oh, no, what do I do? And I would worry and the anxiety and all of this crazy thinking would boil up. And the whole process is just super stressful. So now, like after the experience of doing projects since I've come in and everything like that, a lot of it is like kind of like what James has done is you presented an opportunity and you show up and you do it and you do your best. And now like handling this project, like at first everything came in, like came together relatively perfect in the first week. Then like things started like, you know, the normal problems that pop up in a, in a pro or a project, you know, like as examples, like uh, my, someone that was storing my rain machine throughout my rain machine. So I didn't have a rain machine to like make, you know, uh, my DP dropped out. So I didn't have a DP and the replacement DP wasn't contacting me. So it's like, Oh no, like these are things that need to be done. And so like, you know, I was driving in the car with James the other day and I even said, I was like, you know, this is the moment where I could worry or I could not worry. And, and this time around, I've taken the step to like, Oh, well, it'll just work out. Do I get a little annoyed? Do I get a little, pissy about it yeah but ultimately (laughs) ultimately like i will get through it and although like these little intricate things aren't fun come sunday when we're on set and we're actually filming that stuff's fun so if i keep in mind that like i'm doing this stuff and dealing with these problems and letting them work out however they're going to work out without flipping out about it, without stressing about it, without getting anxious about it. I know that like that payoff of what the actual fun stuff is going to come. Right. You know, so it's the same with all art or anything else like that. You did get the uh, James and I wanted a, a full boat full of avocado toast. You did get that right. Our order that we put in. Well, avocado toast. Is it is it just toast with avocado slices on it? Y- yes. I think yeah, it's like it's... avocado spread or something, right? I don't know. No, no, uh, it's it's avocado. Uh, I think they I think it's just yeah, like they mash up. It's essentially uh guacamole uh on toast, on bread that's toasted. So how hipster of you. The kids oh, the kids oh. love it. The kids love it, and I, I know since we have the best craft services, money can't buy, that we will have. Also, if you're going to have hand sanitizer, make sure it's made with moonshine. Mm. Is that the good stuff? Yep. It's made out of Kentucky. Make sure it's there. Mm. Yeah, I actually need to do that. I need to get hand sanitizer and wipes. and Also, and yeah. I don't want to get the Rona. I don't want to be that guy, you know, shaking hands and stuff. You're just full of funny today, Mike. <laughs> Walk up don't encourage him. <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with... No, I won't do it. <laughs> are they grapes or are they nuts? So, did, was there... If there's somebody that is uh, maybe, like, new into, uh, into AA, did you feel like there was a moment where... Uh, like the first moment you felt relief of some of the pressure of coming into AA. Did you guys have an experience with that at all? If not, I'll, I'll share with one while you, you think, and maybe this, this will help you. So uh, the first meeting that I went into, 
I it was uh, it was called the Brown Badge meeting at noon Essex Junction Vermont where I got sober and I was sitting right next to the clock and it was one of those clocks that they had in school that um, you could hear the hand the second hand actually moving like and the pace of that was so comforting that I knew that everything was going to be okay because as everything's slowing down, uh, it was almost like in that meeting in particular, because it was the middle part of my day right at lunch, I got to reset. And I knew that that hour I was going to spend with people talking about how things were tough, how they were dealing with them, and how they had found a solution. And, you know, it's not always the case in every meeting, but usually there's at least one or two shares. I have not been to a meeting where there hasn't been one or two shares um, that haven't made me go, aha, whether it's somebody talking about problems that they have and not yet finding a solution, but me being like, well, I, this this might come out poorly, but I'm glad my head's not there. You know, like I'm glad I don't have that going on with me. So that uh, would give me a sense of gratitude. But just knowing like, you know what? Things aren't so bad, you know, or hey, maybe I'll implement what worked for them with me. And it would get back to, and that happened really like meeting number one, but definitely without a doubt, week number one, where at the end of going to seven meetings and seven days after the end of my first week, I can tell you that I, I did feel better. And I was told, you know, as we say in the beginning of this, don't quit before the miracle happens. The miracle wasn't there yet, but I still wanted to keep going and, and seeing what it would turn into. So that was my experience. Do you guys have a moment that, uh, like connected with you yeah a month after i got sober i i moved up to celebration because um uh, me and my wife and i had nowhere to live and we were on our way to nebraska and um when we got up here we um my wife's mom and dad invited us to stay with them and um you know i felt I, you know, I didn't feel anything except like, like this weight was lifted, like, because oh. I, you know, in the past three years, I had been evicted twice. Uh, I had lived from motel to motel to Airbnb, and, you know, it was just a, just a nightmare trying to, I remember some nights I was, I didn't have anything to eat, so I would take spices out of my cupboard and just boil a pot of water and spices and have soup you know it was pretty bad for a little bit guys um so when i came up here and just the fact that i I didn't have to worry about a roof over my head and or food and you know and and around the same time like i had um, a medical condition a blood clot and you know i had this relief that you know I I was safe and I was getting the medical treatment I was I was needing. So it was like all this just was like so much so much relief for me, and um, I could really start the healing process. I felt that 
and you know the drinking was just kind of gone from my mind at that point and then slowly slowly i started feeling um a little better and getting rid of all the stuff in step four and five and step six and seven yeah nice how about you dennis um i think it was maybe a couple things i don't know if it's specific moments but i know one thing like my sponsor always says is like there are no big deals and ultimately that's true there aren't any big deals or at least most like 99 percent of the stuff that i worry about or get anxious about or stress about aren't a big deal like for these projects for instance like if i don't make this short film in the big scheme of things nothing changes right like I'll still have to get up and go to a meeting. I'll still have to go do the other things that I'm working on and stuff like that. And life goes on like me and James, I think, I think it was the last project we worked on, which was part of a competition. So we had a deadline and there was pressure there or whatever, but like the editor, the guy that was editing it or whatever, when it came time to the deadline or whatever, sent us an unfinished, like really badly edited thing. And so obviously we didn't enter into the competition or whatever, but when we contacted him, like, okay, like send us the footage and then we'll just re-edit it ourselves and at least have a film out of it. And he had deleted all of the footage. So literally that, like everything that we worked on for that, like the months of work and everything was just gone. So it's like that film never even existed. And ultimately life still went on, you know, we still, I had to get up and go to a meeting. We still had to like go on about our lives and it doesn't, it really wasn't a big deal. It was, you know, it sucks, but ultimately life goes on. And so that relieves a lot of pressure in the sense that like, you know, it's okay. You know, you do your best you can, you, you worry or you get the things done, but worrying about it's not going to like, change any of that and then if it doesn't happen or if it happens differently then there's no big deal yeah. then, a, then another thing is like step three you know whenever you make that decision to surrender your life over to a higher power or god or whatever you want to call it like there's like there is a lot of relief of the pressure, you know, it's like this weight of the world that we carry on us before we come in and all of this stuff and the shame and the guilt and the fear and the, all of this just stuff. It's like, now I get to hand it off, you know, and I get to like take it off my back and give it to God and let him do a lot of that heavy carrying. And I don't have to worry about it anymore, you know? And for me, that, is almost a daily thing that I have to do that I have to remind myself that I have to give it to God and, and know that things are going to work out. And, you know, in the last like week or two working on this project, that's what I've been doing a lot. You know, when things pop up, it's like, okay, fine. It's going to work out, whatever. It's not a big deal. And then move on. And ultimately things do work out. They work out differently or whatever, but there's always like, you can get through it and like mm. carrying that weight and carrying that pressure doesn't help in the instance at all. You know? Here's a question. 
Does God ever miss a deadline? His timing is perfect. Yeah, right? That was the answer we were looking for. Thanks for playing. Whose God is it? Here's another question. Does God have deadlines? Sure. Why? Look at Jesus. Was it a how was that a deadline? Oh, he died. <laughs> oh my god. And they, <laughs> that's that's another episode of Whose God Is It? I don't like this game. You know <laughs> uh, do you guys have anything else to, to I don't know. I'm feeling no pressure today. I don't know if it's coming across. You know. Well you don't have any deadlines. <laughs> I sold the most amount of liquor at work last month. Really? That's weird. Well, no, I, I had the best percentage. So. Well, the look at you. I won a fifty dollars gift certificate to Cheddar's. <laughs> really? They give yeah. out they give out gift certificates who can push the most alcohol on their customers. Well, technically, he's a salesman. Yeah, and and I'll it's not like pushing, right? Markup. Yeah, hey, I think it's a good job, you know, going from drinking the most to serving the most, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm proud of you, James. Even if Dennis isn't, thanks, buddy. I'm proud of you, and Dennis. I'm not. I'm proud of you too. Except when you make comments like that, then I'm like, yeah. somebody you should yeah. go to another meeting, you know. One of those things. So you shake, you shake your finger, and then you you laugh like a Mentos ad. You know, we've all been there. <laughs> we've all been there. Uh, well, congratulations, James. And I know that the the deadline that uh, that you're dealing with, Dennis, and this upcoming uh, weekend with the project, it's going to go exactly how it's going to go, right? Yep. And um, worst comes to worst, you can just use a normal car. If you ever thought about that, no, I'm gonna use bicycles. Oh, nice! Two right. wheels instead of four. Car would take away the aesthetic of it, you know. So, like those black beach cruisers would look fine. They look old timey enough. Yep, I like it. All right. Mm. Anything else you guys want to add, or should we close up shop here? I I think I have a bow tie for you. Oh, nice! Yeah. Let's let's put a bow tie on it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next Thursday sharing our experience, strength, and hope with you on episode 54. Where the defective character is entirely ready to have all these character defects removed. Remember, nothing changes if nothing changes. And we'll see you next time. Oh, God. That's, that's a lot of pressure, Mike. Nothing changes. Change it. You better change it. So I got to change it too. I'm off to Tuscany. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>